Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Good evening. Happy Monday, everybody. Hope you got through the weekend well. Focusing on self-care, joy, pleasure, and of course, rest. Man, I did a lot of resting. I also went through a very interesting sci-fi uh, binge over the weekend. You know, I'm a big horror fan. Those that, you know, listen to the show know that horror, like a lot of documentaries as well. Sci-fi is kind of the, I don't know, kind of the cousin to horror films where it's like in the family, but yet a little distinct overlap at times, but you know, distinct categories at the same time. And, um, yeah, I like it because there's this concept called speculative, speculative future. And Octavia Butler, a black queer feminist writer, she does speculative fiction and her books, really stunning sci-fi, were written about imagining a different world, often a world outside of whiteness. But I like fantasy. I like daydreaming. A lot of times those are the spaces, those free, creatively uh, processed moments, thoughts, and ideas where we can imagine change, transformation, and the kind of world we want to live in. I think Often we see that as part of the nature of a child and adults really socialize themselves and each other out of this concept of play and play is actually a very healing, restorative, but also transformative experience or moment. And I, I love people. I love having people in my life that have the capacities to be playful. It's just, it's kind of like smiling, you know, studies have shown over and over and I'll, I'll at some point maybe talk more about this, but studies have shown over and over that smiling is good for you in terms of your mood, your mental health and play is very, very similar and just kind of do a little check-in. Am I someone who ever plays? Am I able to be playful? And if not, what's that about? Often it's about a fear of vulnerability, a fear of intimacy, a fear of letting go, a fear of maybe releasing whatever your identity is. You know, can I be seen as a competent, you know, parent or professional if I let myself wander in those ways? But, you know, the relationship I'm currently in, I think one of the most beautiful elements that we have is that we're very playful and we're very vulnerable and we're very authentic. And I like, you know, the capacity to be both intelligent and serious, but also just to let go and be ridiculous. Um, I don't know. Anyway, friends that are personally in my life have seen the ridiculousness that I can bring forth. 
But y'all tend to just get the doctor part of my identity. Uh, question of the night, it's up on our Loveline IG page. As always, so weigh in on that. We have an entire week of awesome show for you. Uh, we always do, but this week it's jam-packed with a lot of guests and experts, a lot of punchy topics. Um, you know, So drink your coffee and again, buckle up. It's going to be a good ride. As well as being joined by Shira and Ryan from Let's Go There over at Channel Q. You know, that show is quite phenomenal. It's one of those shows that is the intersection of a lot of really important things. They kind of model my values as well. I think that they're, they really go there as the title of their show says, but I think they also bring in a really interesting perspective on politics, care and compassion, pop culture, et cetera, et cetera. So I'm glad that they'll be joining us later in the show, as well as us talking about signs of a toxic family. And we've also got OG Queer Eye, Mr. J. Rodriguez joining us uh, coming up right after this segment. But I wanted to just talk about a little news. Look, COVID still going strong. It's kind of heartbreaking. Still going strong. Everyone's gotten a little too familiar with it. So I think we've let our guard down possibly a little too much. A little wake up call for you. COVID child cases have increased since August by 21%. It's important to look at that because a lot of us had thought that children weren't a high risk factor and that they were, you know, they're too resilient and healthy to be affected by this. Well, it's gone up 21% for them. And this is according to a report from the American Academy of Pediatrics and the Children's Hospital Association and reveals more than 70,000 new COVID-19 cases in children across the U.S. since August. Y'all, that's a lot. And August is (laughs) not far behind us. (laughs) Uh, Good news. Um, Ayo Edabiri will replace Jenny Slate as Missy on Netflix Big Mouth. Love this. This is a move where white actors and actresses are letting people of color, black people, trans people actually play the roles that they're suited to play, roles that mimic and mirror the life they live. And I know people might say, well, isn't acting about not being yourself? You know, they don't hire cops to play the role of a cop on a show. Correct. But there are certain exploited, marginalized identities that don't get an opportunity to ever act and to play themselves is for many the only opportunity they will be given to get seen and to work. So we wanna kind of hold space for those, right? Um, It's about inclusion. So I'm, I'm here for that, I love hearing that. And also congrats, Grey's Anatomy, remember that show? It's still going, I didn't know that. I, I was a fan early on, I was not aware that show was still going, I don't have television, I watch you know, streaming, but uh, Sara Ramirez just came out as non-binary. She came out as, I believe, bisexual a couple years ago, and now she's coming out as bi- uh, non-binary. Sara, welcome to the to the fam. <laughs> Not that I identify as non-binary, although we can talk about that another time, kind of how I see gender and the role plays in my life. Um, I love people feeling empowered to come forward as the way they are. And some people are thinking, well, wow, you know, are there more trans and non-binary people being born? Is that why the numbers are rising so quickly? No. They've always been there. They've been there since the beginning of time. They've been there recognized and supported in many, many cultures. Many cultures have more than two genders. We all have more than two genders, but traditionally, most of us only recognized two. But the reason why more people are coming out as gay, lesbian, bisexual, sexually fluid, trans, non-binary is because they A, recognize that that's a possibility where before people just suffered not understanding why they didn't feel them to be themselves, but also because they're getting more care and support. It's safe to do so. There's resources, there's community, right? So it's safe and people don't want to come out um, in periods or times of violence and oppression, right? So anyway, that's awesome. Good. Welcome to the family. All right, y'all coming up next, Mr. Jay Rodriguez, listening to Love Line with Dr. Chris on the new channel Q and on radio.com. Right now, children and their families all over Southern California are going to bed hungry. Channel Q and radio.com have an easy way that you can help feed local students and their families. 
text the word need to 76278 to give a buck and also put food in the mouth of a hungry child and their loved ones. Just $1. It's going to make a big difference. Learn more about feed our families on our socials and at wearechannelq.com. All right, we're back. And of course we got the OG queer eye, Mr. J Rodriguez. I, I, I feel like when I call you that, it undermines everything else that you're up to. Oh, I will take that. Yeah, no, it's been, listen, I was reflecting in quarantine about, you know, you're just, Facebook memories reminds you of things you've done and it's been a journey, you know, I've been doing a bunch of like interviews and stuff and the reflection of a very chameleon-esque career, a little bit, a little, little hand in every pot as as one would say. And so it's been, uh, it's been fun. But yeah, Queer Eye was certainly the one that, I think uh, most people would, well, unless you're 20 and then you were three when we started. <laughs> Wait, I have a question. So yeah. I, 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 we mean you were texting a little bit about this. Um, my mom, among other people in my life, are, are fans of yours and they're on your social media and they love watching your, your daily videos, your weekly videos. Where do you get the um, energy and inspiration from right now? Because I personally am struggling yeah. with my own writing to really tap into that. And you're kind of kicking butt in that area. Yeah, well, you know, um, last year, um, I thought it was the right decision to leave radio. And and then immediately, knee-jerk response was like, no, I don't want to leave. But the wheels of motion were already in time, and I missed that connection. So when the pandemic began, I did a ticketed show off a streaming platform. But then it felt bad. What if people can't afford that? Yeah. So I made it up to my Facebook uh, page, which has J Rod- AI Rodriguez with a blue check mark, And I just went did the whole show again, but for free. And um, and then I just kind of developed this really sweet community of people that kept coming back. And so I went live and I still go live every day, 5 p.m. Pacific Standard Time on my Facebook. And it became like a fun uh, way for me to connect with fans the way I used to in radio. But more importantly, I realized that, you know, a, a static post, all those things were really impersonal. It allowed people to kind of get to know aspects of who I was and what I was up to. But it didn't let me get to know um, who they are, why, what they're interested in, and and these kind of global conversations. And so now we're talking to people in Australia and Brazil and Japan. Do this too. Yeah. So you you do get familiar with people, and I don't know if yeah. people that follow or support our work know that, but I do start to really track and get familiar with certain people that are always engaging me or commenting. I've even creeped on their pages a little. Do they know? Just out of curiosity. <laughs> their lives. And so I think some people think that maybe they're just these random posters, but it's like, I know I'm well aware of the people that are always showing up to my work and I'm so thankful and they might not even know them aware of who they are, but I deeply. Well, yeah. And you know, we talked about this early on the pandemic. I was like, what am I going to do? I was meant generally when I'm not doing TV or have a job, I tour with the cabaret show and it's usually enough to sustain life in a comfortable way. Can't do that. So I, I started just on Mondays. I have kind of like this virtual piano bar digital and you know, people shout out songs and I'm a little virtual tip jar, which at first I felt awkward about, but you know, there's commerce to uh, there's there's financial worth to us as artists and putting it out there as a free moment. If people have to give, they'll they'll tip something, and it's really honestly sustained me, and it's become this beautiful uh, kind of challenge because your your mom comes and checks in, and sometimes <laughs> I'll be just having mm-hmm. cocktails with people, chatting about world issues. Sometimes it'll be you know like a Mondays and Musical Monday, and then sometimes I've de- I developed this sort of sketch comedy day where the audience, the viewer, gets to decide who I'm going to be, what's the situation. I will put on a song, and I have those two minute thirty seconds to get into some costume, a wig, and then completely transform into that character based on their suggestions. And your mom caught one, which I think you'd really appreciate. Her name is Gloria Hyman. 
uh, and she's from <laughs> Long Island. She owns she she owns a salon called Mail Me Now, and uh, and anyway, she just is wildly um, getting. You know, the kids are out of the house. Wait, where is she from? Island. Where is this Gloria from? She's, she's Long from Long Island. You know, and so I've developed this whole camp character. Well, now the the audience i was like i don't want to buy clothes for her and they're like oh my god i have this old necklace and so people are mailing me costumes for gloria she's like my most demanded character but i think of people like dame edna barry humphreys is straight sketch comedy actor that character took off tyler perry medea so you have these kind of one-off characters that people just feel are so fun and they want them back and that happens in sketch comedy so it's kind of a brilliant accident but it allows me to to, to um, you know I always throw little vegetables in with a meal without people knowing it so even through Gloria I'll throw in issues around social justice through the lens of comedy and that's a good takeaway for for, for me and, and my platform to be able to entertain and I love that right because I think historically comedy was was sometimes used as a tool of oppression where people in positions of power like white cis hetero people would use comedy and they would build platforms and fame mocking exploited and marginalized people so i like seeing some of those marginalized exploited people taking the power back and i also like this shift where white cis hetero comedians are now realizing they actually have to be talented which means pulling from their own lives and not you want to i'm about to raise the anxiety in the room I was I was mid Gloria and some woman was on and she was like, uh, I thought this was a safe space. Why are we mocking people? Because Gloria is not a Trump fan. And while she may be orange, that's her choice. And, you know, she has very strong issues about Trump and the way that he's led our country or lack thereof. And I had in real time a moment where it wasn't that she was heckling me, it was that she was triggered by the language because she, her belief system is in a different alignment than me. Now, the thing is artists, oftentimes we're told, shut up and sing. Just shut up, don't have a, don't speak out on social justice issues. I just wanna see you perform. Not on my page, that's my house. I'm welcoming you you into my house. You are welcome to stay, but you're gonna get the language and the truths that I have, triple checked before I spout things and I will highlight opinion versus fact. Oh, and I've got that too. I got that too. There was, there was, there was three people that were consistently coming into my DM saying, please stop talking politics on love line. And I thought, number one, I'm a very political person. I just don't necessarily talk in terms of governmental federal world politics, but I'm very political. Number two, absolutely does mental health include politics? Because every aspect of life is political. And number three, it matters now more than ever. We got to go to a quick break and we'll come back and finish this because um, because we're not done. All right, you're listening to Love Line with Dr. Chris on the new channel Q and radio.com. All right, we're back. And tonight we're sitting down with uh, the quadruple threat, Mr. Jay Rodriguez. And oh. in, the other, in the other segment, we were just talking about some of the art that he's producing. And um, you were talking about how politics, uh, politics intersect with art and how sometimes it throws people off because they're looking for this pure experience of just art as though that can ever sit outside of politics, which would mean we're erasing the identity of the person who's the artist themselves. You can't do that. People get really engaged with politics when something directly impacts them. Well, it's a global pandemic, and the way that this has been handled is somewhat out of our hands and due to politics. So if you, even if you just look at it on that macro level, but even down to my core identity and everything that I... Um, everything that I am, it's just innately political, you know, wanting to have, uh, you know, 
you know, if you just go down to just being a, a, an out person wanting to be you know federally protected in all spaces and wanting that for the entire lgbtq plus community even if i'm not uh, any of the other letters in the acronym you know those things are really important to me so those are things that i don't even think about because we have those conversations with each other so loosely that i don't see it as political i genuinely see it as just the right thing and that's exactly, um, and that is exactly how it is for me. I appreciate what you're saying. Like I live in a world that's always had, that's always been infused with trans individuals, gay individuals, people of color, different size bodies, and just because of the, and even the therapy I do, working um, really intimately with people's psyches and how they've been, you know, oppressed with these different levels. I can't pull that out of my work. But wait, question. So that fan of yours who's watching your show, you're doing this character, Gloria. Gloria doesn't like Trump. Um, she's a very intelligent woman, obviously, but this fan is so upset. So did she stick around? You're, you're going to, this is the best part of this whole moment. And you know, our pro- program director, when I used to work on channel Q, Brian Holt, shut up, Brian. He would say, you have such a, you have a beautiful way Jay of balancing both sides of the story, even if you're more in alignment with right. one part of it. And so I saw this as an opportunity, not as a heckler. And um, what I did was because comments are delayed, I knew that people were going after her once she announced what mm. she was triggered by. And so I said, wait, 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 no one comments. I want to handle this. And I took off like the Gloria wig and I like sat there and I was able, in my opinion, to give one of those, and this is dating myself, Julia Sugarbaker in Designing Women, you know, the, the night the lights went out in Georgia monologues that was caring, fact-based and was not shaming her for what she believed, but instead shedding some light on what her, how her belief system directly impacts me, the person she came to visit. And don't you know that she said, I'm so sorry, I never had an opportunity to look at it that way. You know, I love you. And she's come back every single day since. And so, you know, listen, I, I know that I, I think we have power in, in the fact that when you have any platform, whether it's your social media or a family dinner party, Sharing your truth is of utmost importance because it impacts others. And I'll tell you what, to layer that, we're, you know, things are slowly going to start getting more of a hybrid space. We're going to have to now interact with people in a different way. I have a job in September. I'm going to be on a TV set. And all of a sudden, I'm like, oh, wow. So the, there's no vaccine there. You know, the, we, we haven't moved that much medically yet. I am going to be surrounded by people who may not take this virus um, the way I see the virus being. And I think, you know, I text you, you know, this weekend saying I'm not necessarily sure how to engage in those conversations when we, which I believe are going to be in a hybrid, returning back to life, living with, you know, COVID around us, but doing that safely. How do you navigate those conversations? People don't see eye to eye with you and you're forced to work with them. Yeah, you're going to have to really decide what your personal boundaries need to be for your own level of comfort and safety and assert those. Um, I know for me, regardless of what friends or family members are thinking or even patients that want to be seen in the office, I have a lot of patients that are like, when are you back in the office? I'm, back in the office. I'm saying to them, when I, feel, when I feel safe, my safety matters and my safety is the priority. And any project I'm working on, my safety comes first. So whether it's me going back into the studio to record the radio show, me going on set, because I'm also in discussions with yeah. TV project and other stuff, even my lecturing, people want me in, in person lecture, when I feel safe. My safety comes before finance, before profit. But remember, corporate culture, companies, they 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 inherently put profit before people. And so they're, right. they're looking at the numbers first. So my point being, please don't think 
that these systems that are trying to pull you back, that they're going to be looking out for you or prioritizing your safety. They will not. They will yeah, not. I always say this. You have to look out for your own. You know, listen, I always say this to people. You can get very friendly with your employers. You can get friendly with your bosses or your producers or whoever you, you know, is your superior. But at the end of the day, you have to do the appropriate amount of self-care and understand that you are at, you are the only person responsible for your, your health and well-being, even then that includes your mental health. And if I could layer that, there are many people out there like me who are about to, this fall, have to go back to work because they financially don't have a choice. And so to all those people, I think that's a really empowering message that you can create the physical boundaries, um, you know, by using your words and language, but what's comfortable for you. And you're you're more productive. And and, and like we're saying, and you're going to have to, please don't assume the system will inherently put that first. It won't. Um, But yes, I I empathize with people that are going to be entering spaces where they really don't have much power or they aren't from an identity that makes them feel empowered or whatever it is. And so, yeah, please, like you can still say to those maybe around you directly, please, can you stand back a few feet? That was, I was going to ask you what, what language what like i mean you and i are pretty bad, i've, had, I've like, had to use it i've had to use it while out in the world getting groceries or a friend that wanted to visit me outdoors and every now and then i have to say excuse me i'm going to ask you to stand back a few feet i had to do it at, at cvs the other day someone was like way mm-hmm. too more closer than i was comfortable with and what i yeah. teach clients all the time is we live in a culture that is not comfortable familiar nor do they nor does it respect boundaries when you right. set a boundary nine times out of ten the person will feel as though you were just rude to them they will feel put off they will maybe be embarrassed you do it anyway no one no one really ever says thank you for setting that boundary with me i honor that no it's I, you should have seen the look i got at cbs so i said i'm sorry i'm going to ask you to stand back a few feet you're, you're too close I was, they looked at me like I was the one that was doing something. I was right. like, I'm setting a boundary. You should be celebrating that. You know what I yeah, mean? And, yeah. And the pr- that's the push, that's the push pull. And we, last time we spoke, I told you how triggering it is now sometimes seeing, you know, people living their lives in groups and having these fun outings as if nothing is wrong. And there's several of us who, who, you know, I have to stay safe for the September thing. And we have, you know, a lot of testing and isolation we're meant to do before we get back on set. And I want to adhere to that just for me, so I can go to sleep at night knowing I did my part. Um, and I hope that people start in some small way, have compassionate empathy for people who, um, you know, you don't know someone's backstory. So if yeah, someone right. declares that they need more space, just trust that they're doing that for self-preservation and they don't owe you an explanation as to why they're asking for that. And because and also remember this, part. you can't just assume that the person who's standing in front of you is only also speaking about themselves. They might be returning home to an environment where someone has a compromised immune system is of elder age. I had a friend of mine in Canada posting that just before me and you hopped on Skype saying, my kid is being mandated in Vancouver back to school. However, that child will be around hundreds of people and then returning home to me where me, I have an compromised immune system and our grandmother lives here and is very old. So it's not always just about the person in front of you. All right, we actually have to go. Where can people find me? Don't you hate that? It's the worst part when I have to say goodbye. Well, listen, I know you're going to ask me where the kids can find me and I will say it's at J-A-I Rodriguez on all platforms. Just look for the blue check mark, J-A-I Rodriguez. That's with a G and a Z in in the Rodriguez. And Chris, thank you. Dr. Chris, thank you so much for having me on again. Thank you. All right, y'all. Question of the night. It's up on our Loveline IG page in the story. So weigh in on that. You're listening to Loveline with Dr. Chris on the new channel Q and radio.com. Sliding into the DMs. Sliding the DMs is brought to you by our friends at Trojan Condoms because it's a big old sex world. We want you to explore the confidence. DMs come from our Loveline IG page. 
slide on into those DMs and drop us your questions. We're here to answer everything and anything. Look, we all got Google, <laughs> but there's a lot of bad information out there written by, I read some of the stuff that people are writing that are topics I'm a scholar and an expert in, and I shake my head and I go, where are you pulling that from? A lot of people are just regurgitating the same old information, but it's a different time. We've learned a lot more, we've grown, we've changed. So. Anywho, here we go. Hey, Dr. Chris, I'm a huge fan. You are my entertainment on the hour drive to and from school. Oh, thank you. I hope I um, give you some empowerment or at least laughter on the way. Uh, so in the current political climate, tension with family is getting worse. Yeah, I feel you. My brother can't go a conversation without bringing up something political. Your brother kind of sounds like me. While I totally disagree with his views, he's still family and I love him and I care for him. Oh, that's sweet. I've tried to set boundaries with him and, uh, excuse me, I've, I've tried to set boundaries with him and that I don't feel connected to him when talking politics, so I'd rather not talk about them. He'll continue the conversation anyway and send pictures or make comments he knows will bother me and not respecting the boundaries I've set. Oh, man. While this is completely self-diagnosed, oh, here it comes. With what I've learned in the DSM-5, my brother is a complete narcissist and has no consideration towards others. My brother truly believes that his way of doing and thinking is the best and only way. He clearly doesn't care about my boundaries and I'm at a loss on what I should do next. Love your question. I think that that's something a lot of us can relate to. Oh man, it's fascinating because a lot of people are going in a lot of different directions. Some are finding the commentaries, thoughts, and opinions of their family members as far too violent or oppressive and they're completely disconnecting. Others like yourself, um, the love and the care are there in a way that you know really want you to find an entry point or a boundary or something that allows you to still stay close and connected. And that's, that's honestly is truly the long-term goal. I want us really to always try to center and prioritize. How can I possibly stay close and connected to this person? Because remember, and your brother seems to have forgotten this, that he is more than just his political opinions, right? Although I do believe that politics are woven into every element and aspect of our lives, I, I can't really think of much that doesn't have something politically intertwined with it. When I talk about politics, I mean that far bigger than just Republican or Democrat or who you're voting for. Politics also have to do with um, the way we engage the world, what we see as, as valuable and not valuable, um, our, our ethics are in there. I mean, it's it's a vast, vast category. I don't want to spend our time breaking that down for you right now, but um, a couple things. If someone is truly a narcissist, which we're all on the narcissistic spectrum, so it's really a question of how narcissistic are we? And some of us are far further along than others. But uh, yes, those that are deeper into the narcissism are going to be a little more centered and focused on themselves and what they think to the detriment of really being aware, sensitive to the impact they're having on others. So here's the hard answer for you. If you want to keep this person in your life, which I, I value and respect that, and um, it's about setting boundaries, right? Now remember, when we set boundaries with people that either aren't used to them or don't honor them, it's our job to set it and then hold it because most people will not say, ah, you set a boundary, thank you for taking care of yourself, I will honor that. Usually they're not gonna support us in that, so we have to hold it, which means you're gonna have to say to him, look, um, I want." this is where I also love love adult, honest, intimate conversations. And that's what I want everyone to have. I want us to really work on sharing our thought process and how we are being impacted by another. So I'd want you to say to him, listen, I care about you. I love you. I value you. And we've talked about before how your, you know, your political uh, monologues negatively impact me and they make it hard for me to be close to you. And so I'm just letting you know, moving forward, that that's not something I'm going to participate in. And you then hold that boundary where you don't respond, you don't engage. Um, and as he's talking at you, he'll start to, you know, people will stop. 
once we once we stop engaging or participating, people do go silent. And sometimes it'll mean walking out of the room or walking away. But the more you repetitively do that, you're communicating, I, I'm serious about this boundary. I don't want to connect with you on this or engage this part of you. And I've had to do that with people in my life around certain topics, you know, saying to them, this is something I'm not willing to discuss. And if you bring it up, I will walk out of the room or I will sit in silence. And they stop because when there's no engagement, there's really no payoff for them to keep talking, you know, but again, it's management at the end of the day, keeping people in our lives that don't have great boundaries and are a little too narcissistic. It's about management. You know, they're not necessarily going to stop. There's no intervention you can have on him that will help him work through his narcissism. He has to go to therapy or have his own revelatory moment, but all you can do is really kind of set those boundaries and hold them. Um, and you keep him in your life. You know, it's a tough one. We can't change others. We can only change ourselves. So that's where the work is. What can you do differently to remove yourself? And that's what the focus is. Keep removing yourself, you know? But thank you for that question. Sliding DMs is brought to you by our friends at Trojan Condoms because it's a big old sexy world. We want you to explore the confidence. Coming up next, we're going to talk about signs of a toxic family. Heartbreaking stuff, I know. You're listening to Love Line with Dr. Chris on the new channel Q and radio.com. All right, we're back and uh, question of the night. As always, it's up on our Loveline IG page, so weigh in on that. And the DMs, always open, so drop on in them. And uh, just a reminder, I'm listening live. It's my live stream show. It's every Thursday, 5 p.m. Pacific, 8 p.m. Eastern. Again, live on all the radio.com handles. So it's uh, Twitter, Facebook, YouTube, and you can go back and check out past episodes. Celebrities, experts, it's good stuff. We really drop into the mental health talk. That's kind of the you know purpose of the show. And also old Loveline episodes at wearechannelq.com. You can go back, post, share, binge, re-listen. So just a little bit of a content warning. We're going to talk next about toxic families. And, you know, for some people, this might be something that really brings up a lot of feelings, a lot of truth, a lot of reality, or also some grief and loss. So take care of yourself. Um, yeah. And, and, you know, as always, if something in life or on the show or something you're reading brings up a flood of emotions, just be very loving with yourself during and after uh, we don't talk a lot about self-care, uh, self-care after powerful emotional experiences, you know, go easy on yourself. Sometimes maybe you need to sit for a while, take a nap, listen to music that kind of mirrors the mood you want to be in, either dropping deeper into the emotional experience or maybe getting pulled out a little bit. Right. So just be loving with yourself. So look, coronavirus, um, a lot of us are, you know, quarantining, self-isolating at home, sometimes on our own, and we're missing family members, or they're far away, haven't seen them in a while, others are with them now. And some people, they are in a toxic environment because their family members or loved ones aren't healthy. You know, some people's family environments are rooted in control, manipulation, trauma, abuse. And we have to remember that the home isn't a safe space for everyone. Parents and family members aren't necessarily a symbol of love or care for everyone. And we need to really start to honor that. We talk a little too easily about, oh, home is where the heart is. Well, for some people, you know, or well, it's your family. You should love them anyway. Well, no, that's not true. You know, we're allowed to take care of ourselves and set boundaries. We're allowed to hold people accountable, whether they're our parent, our husband, our child, right? You know, we're allowed to be self-centering, which means we do take into account the impact someone or something is having on us. And if it's negatively impacting us, we're allowed to set boundaries. We're allowed to speak up. Um, we're allowed to remove ourselves, remove other people. And I'm recognizing right now, lovingly, that some people cannot leave some of the environments they're in that are problematic because of the coronavirus, because of unemployment, because of financial worry. So let's talk about some of the signs you want to look for to notice whether or not a family is toxic. First off, the way they talk about you and each other. 
Healthy relationships are ones where people will share with us how it feels to be in a relationship with us. They will hold us accountable. They will be transparent and let us know when we've wounded them or let them down. But it's not done in an injurious way. It's not done in a gossipy way, right? They're not trying to assassinate someone's character, right? They will, it's what I call the goal is a one-on-one relationship. If someone has a thought, concern, or issue with you, they come to you and you go to them. You don't go through someone else. You don't talk about them to someone else. And that's also another sign of being healthy. If someone comes to you to complain about someone, say, I'm going to stop you. Go talk to that person and work that out. Because although I want people to get support and care, gossiping and just vomiting all over someone doesn't help change a situation. It's not a loving, caring act, and it can make an environment feel very unsafe. So stop the gossiping, one-to-one relationships. But if people in your family or even social unit are gossiping about you or others, that's a red flag. So you can address it with them or maybe realize that this, this isn't a healthy environment for you. Also, if they really zero in on weaknesses or your triggers, we lovingly, vulnerably share with others our injuries, our struggles, our weaknesses, and we, we trust that they're not going to be weaponized and used against us. I also put a really powerful post on social media that people didn't quite understand. And I was saying that I don't support gossip. And when someone's in a relationship with you and they share with you intimate parts of themselves, I don't care how the relationship ends. You then don't have a right to go on a podcast and share that or tell friends. You need to honor the trust that was there that was there at that moment and what they instilled in you. Because remember, when you see people running around gossiping, that's a sign that they can't be trusted. That's a sign they don't honor boundaries. That's a sign that they'll do that to you as well. And so that's a red flag. And I saw a celebrity on a podcast slamming her ex. And I thought, I hope everyone's hearing her and going, wow, that's not a safe person to date or maybe be friends with. If the way you deal with disappointment and letdown is to publicly shame or attack someone that says everything about you and nothing about them, deal with it face-to-face with the person or you sit and deal with it on your own, but you don't need to go public about it. That's not justice. That's not healing. That's not resolving anything. That's not helping anyone. It just makes you look not mentally healthy and very disrespectful regulated and cruel. So remember that. Um, Also signs of toxic family are they don't allow you to change. Look, when we change and grow, we're allowed to be seen as the person we are now. We can maybe be still and possibly needing to be held accountable to things we've done in the past so as to be better, know who we've injured. But as you grow and change, you're allowed to say, this is who I am now. That's who I was five years ago. Um, And I say that to people in drug and alcohol addiction, you're allowed to let go of all your bad behavior while drunk and high. There might be some accountability that needs to be done, but you don't have to move forward in your life still feeling like the liar, the cheater, or whatever the things might be. You're allowed to work on yourself and grow and change. That's the whole purpose of therapy. My whole career is built on the idea that people do change. And I see it all the time and have for decades. And so I'm a firm believer that we all have the capacity to change, which I think is why so many of us are upset that people are still putting their racism and homophobia and all that out there and on blast. It's like, you know better now. We all know better now. There's The resources are vast if you need to do that work books, shows, topics. So really zero in on that. Um, Also, another sign of a toxic family unit or social unit or relationship is when abusive behavior verbally or physically is accepted, it's allowed, it's it's masked, it's ignored. Because I think in a community-based way, yes, speak up if you see someone being hurt. It is your business. It's everyone's business. Violence and oppression is everyone's business. So yes, please don't keep your side street clean. If you see someone being harmed or injured, you speak up, you do something. You go to a, a higher power, you, you handle it in the moment, but you don't just walk by with your head down, especially not when it's someone you know or care about, but we do need to take care of each other and others. Um, 
And again, finally, we'll just stand land on this one. It's a volatile, unpredictable environment where you can't let your guard down and never feel safe. Toxic, toxic, toxic. So let's do better. You know, this is about us acknowledging the work that others have to do, but also maybe what we need to do to be better. I always want to make sure we're doing that. You know, how do I relate to this? How am I partaking in this? All right, coming up next, we're going to be with Ryan and Shira from Let's Go There talking about the impact of COVID and depression and mental health on people from the LGBTQIA community. Listening to Love Line with Dr. Chris on the new channel Q and radio.com. Right now, children and their families all over Southern California are going to bed hungry. Channel Q and Radio.com have an easy way for you to help feed local students and their families. Text the word NEED to 76278 to give a buck and put food in the mouth of a hungry kid and their loved ones. Just $1 to make a big difference. Learn more about Feed Our Families on our socials and at wearechannelq.com. All right, we're back and we're joined now by Ryan and Shira from Let's Go There to talk about um, LGBTQA community and mental health. According to a new study from the UK, isolation during the pandemic has had a negative effect on LGBTQ people's mental health. Now, researchers at University College London and Sussex University found that 69% of LGBTQ people suffered from significant depression symptoms during the lockdown. I know this isn't obviously like a fun story to cover, but like, it's nice to see you. It is. Um, Is there anything that shows that queer people are actually more prone to suffering from depression symptoms during times like this? Yes. So we want to just first contextualize whenever we're talking about anyone that has any kind of exploited or marginalized identity in our culture, they're inherently going to be susceptible for more mental health struggles than maybe the more um, supported or majority based population. Right. And for certain communities, um, let me say differently, for certain identities, community is very, very important because that might be for some people the only place where they have value, worth, and respect reflected back to them. And so for a lot of people, their community, seeing them, um, connecting with individuals is, is where they see themselves because, you know, you, you watch television, you listen to music, you read books. It's still generally a white cis hetero experience that we're having presented to us. So there's that piece. And then adding to that as human beings, we are social creatures. Our brains, our nervous systems are a social organ. We require touch, eye contact, time with others to thrive and to be resilient. And that's been removed, needlessly so. So it's really difficult right now for all of us. But like I said, marginalized, exploited people, it's even harder because their resources are, are kind of taken away and removed. Do you think we'll start to see a shift and change, you know, post-COVID? Like once things kind of really start opening back up and it's more safe and they can start seeing their community again, do you think that will, you know, change everything or could this linger? Yeah, you know, I think think we're going to see more of a lingering. And the reason why I say that is... I, I, the other day I drove through West Hollywood, for instance, mm-hmm. and I'm not trying to imply that everyone in the LGBTQIA community is, you know, bar centered in their socialization. However, for a lot of people, it is a bar yeah. is a concentrated space where, you know, you will see people of a similar identity. And a lot of the gay bars have closed because of COVID. So let me tell so, you, I feel sad, like yeah. that's sad, been the sad. most transformational thing for me, because I feel like I had, I coined myself and I was proud of myself for being a homebody. But after this pandemic, pandemic and after this kind of just like being by myself 24 7 having to do six plus hours of zoom every single day i i really felt like and i was talking to a friend about how much i took for granted just going for, mm. to the bar and seeing someone or just having a drink you know like i took that for granted so much where i was like you know
know what? I'm changing that immediately. You have wow. to have like some type of like life outside of just everything. Oh my God. I love that. Thanks for sharing that, Ryan. Yeah. That's a beautiful example of a really good rebound effect, right? Hmm. Where that might be what does bring people back to socialization is what you just said. Acknowledging the lack of it, seeing what it can provide for you. So Again, I think for some people like you, that will be the case. Now, let me share about myself. Like, I'm actually surprisingly the opposite. Where <laughs> I'm, I'm like Ryan in that I'm a self-described homebody. Yeah. And this time has only amplified and reinforced how much <laughs> I like time alone. <laughs> and uh, the voice you're hearing right now is Dr. Chris Donahue. You know him from Loveline after our show Monday through Thursday right here on Channel Q. We're talking about the study that came out that showed that the pandemic being in isolation has had a negative effect on LGBTQ plus individuals and their mental health. So I guess uh, what resources are out there? Or like what advice do you have for those who are going through this? And it's a, a negative effect. Yeah, I would say that the, the best way for us to really work on improving our mental health is always going to be number one, just doing a lot of self-care. And I'm saying that to literally every single person until I'm blue in the face. There's like the big three trifecta every single day in general. But especially right now during pandemic, I want everyone to focus every day on doing self-care, something rooted in joy and pleasure, and finally rest. And mm. sometimes one activity will cover all three. Sometimes it's three separate things every single day. And if we can't build that into our day, then our day is lopsided and it's not centering mental health enough. And so use that as a motivating force to build that in, amp it up. But bigger, again, for the LGBTQA community, it's about, it's going to be number one, socialization. So I'm also saying three to every day, three people, connect to three people. I'm okay if it's texting, I'm okay if it's DMing, but I want people to stay connected. So those are the two main things that I'm telling people to build in. Oh, that's oh, so interesting. I love All right. that. All right. Coming up next, we've got question of the night. So still some time to weigh in on that on our Loveline IG page. Listening to Loveline with Dr. Chris on the new channel Q and radio.com. All right, time for question of the night. Doctors reveal their top five things they won't do during the pandemic. Number one, would not travel on holiday. Number two, would not go to a bar or a nightclub. Three, would not go to a gym. Four, would not go to a ballroom night. I don't even really know what that is. <laughs> God bless. Five, would not go to the doctor unless it's essential. What are the things you definitely won't do during the pandemic? That's our question of the night. It's interesting. Uh, the holiday part, you know, all these things kind of depend. Are you alone in a car with someone you're self-isolating, driving to somewhere isolated? Bam, beautiful. Bar and nightclub I get. Intoxication's definitely going to drop our, you know, self-protective mechanisms. Also packed spaces, um, a lot of shared air. It's often indoors. I get that. The gym part. I get that too. Although some people are doing outdoor workouts, you know, when the gym had reopened for a minute, I did go back. We were wearing masks, we were in gloves They were cleaning around the clock. There was very few people there. I'd go at off hours. It felt quite safe to me. It might not have been the, um, most, uh, you know, top of list for safest environment, but it kind of felt okay. Anyway, LA has since taken that right away. And I blame y'all. I blame y'all that I didn't find the rules for the continued removal of our things. I'm going to be serious. <laughs> Every time I see someone like leaning on people, having parties, just not find the rules, I go, thanks. Thank you for reducing the quality of my life because you are helping spread things. I know it's very shamey. I know, I know. I'm a human. Okay, anyway, I, I digress. I digress. Question of the night was, what are things you definitely won't do during the pandemic? I'm following all the rules right now, so I'm not really doing much of anything, you know? 
telemedicine from home. I'm doing movement and exercise at home. Um, yeah, seeing people on FaceTime, uh, meeting a few really protected people outside, distanced, wearing masks. I just don't want to get sick and I definitely don't want to spread it to anyone else. And I definitely want everyone to get their lives and their careers back. So anywho, what are things you definitely won't do in the pandemic? First person said only work and grocery shopping. Yep. That's me too. Grocery shopping is a hybrid situation. Think about it. You are in indoors, lots of people, uh, touching a lot of things, but it's, it's mandatory. It's something we got to do. Just be very thoughtful about it. Go and load up. Um, that's what I do. I try to load it up. So I don't have to go that often, you know? Uh, what are some things you definitely won't do during the pandemic? Someone said travel, especially to a rural area where they don't believe in masks. It's true. I know some of those more Republican areas. They think it's a hoax. They think it's a joke. <laughs> I'm watching some of them get COVID themselves. I don't want anyone to get that. It's heartbreaking. Hopefully it's a wake up call. Hasn't necessarily been, uh, we've even seen some of the world's leaders who were mocking it, getting it themselves. You know, look, I know people that have passed away, but I appreciate what you're saying. You got to go to areas that you feel safe where people are kind of caring about each other, looking out for each other. Question of the night. What are things you definitely won't do during pandemic? Somebody said, won't go anywhere with a large crowd that doesn't cycle out. Yep. I hear you getting creative. There are, there's an area where you can get into little boats and watch things or, you know, uh, remember drive-in movies. They have drive-in concerts and shows. All that makes sense. It's just um, getting in and out of those boats. Like, are they bottlenecked anywhere where people are forced to be close to each other? Like, I'm worrying about the lines pre and post, but um, I don't know. Okay, question night. What are things you definitely won't do during the pandemic? Someone said, nah, yeah, me neither. Not sure what ballroom night is, but not going to it either, right? I don't 100% know what that is. I've seen some cities lists of things they're closing and it's terms I've never heard of. Uh, what was the other one? It wasn't a game room, although I don't necessarily know what that means, although I can make a lot of assumptions, but there's another term. I'll think of it. Question of the night. What are things you definitely won't do during the pandemic? Someone said definitely not going to a socially distanced festival. Those look so whack. Yeah. How do they, I don't, I don't know how you're going to keep people separated. Are you putting lines on the ground that are like pods that people stand in? But what about when they all leave the mass exodus out? Everyone's going to be like bumper to bumper with the person in front behind and next to them. I'm very confused by that part. Um, yeah, I don't understand how that works. Socially distanced festivals. Look, I appreciate that people want to work. I appreciate that people want to socialize, but I just don't think that it's the right time to be trying to have those things happen. Like it's business as usual. I'm enjoying watching some things online from the comfort of my home. I really am in my sweats. Like I've said before, I'm hoping to only wear sweats moving forward. I don't ever want to wear non-sweatpants pants ever again. Question tonight, what are things you definitely won't do during the pandemic? Someone said, I'm probably not traveling in an airport for a while, but road trips, that's cool. Yeah, I've driven up and down the coast a little bit in my car. I was I was into it. Less traffic. It's beautiful out here. But um, airports, yeah, I don't know. Uh, airplanes concern me most, but I've never really enjoyed air travel. I've always found it to be one of the more claustrophobic, less comfortable things kind of in the entire planet. The amount of space that we're given is shocking to any human being, especially those with larger bodies. It's kind of wild to me, but so it is. Um, all right. Those that participated, thank you as always for your vulnerability. Question tonight is always up on our Loveland IG page in the stories. So weigh in on that as well as those DMs. They're always open. And coming up next, that's what we're doing. Sliding into those DMs. You're listening to Loveline with Dr. Chris on the new channel Q and on radio.com. All right, we're back. It's time for some DMs. Sliding into the DMs. Sliding the DMs is brought to you by our friends at Trojan Condoms because it's a big old sexy world. We want you to explore with confidence. Hope you all are being safe. <laughs> Safer sex practices, remember, during COVID. 
Look, the best sex you can have is sex with yourself, followed by someone you are self-isolating with, followed by distanced sex via cam or um, what do you call it? You know, like FaceTime, sexting, some hot stuff. Practice kind of extending your repertoire a little bit, you know, getting more comfortable, maybe just photo exchange, video sex, things like that. And then you'd move into sex that's a little, well, not a little, but a lot less safe, which would be in real time. You know, not exchanging as, I guess, wearing masks essentially. So not kissing, exchanging saliva and breath and air and in each other's faces, just kind of using anatomy, washing our hands after not touching too much. Yeah, I know. Even people are talking about, you know, barriered sex where you're cutting out holes and putting things in and out. Fun time. You know, it's old school. That's real old school. We're going old school. Um, you got to take care of yourselves. All right. So the DM, sorry. DM asks, hey, Dr. Chris and Loveline, I live in my house with four other people. My mom and dad, who are both over 70, my cousin, and his daughter, who's only five. My cousin is the only one who doesn't care about catching COVID, and he goes out constantly. I don't know how to tell him that he's putting us all at risk. What can I do? Appreciate your question. Um, anyone living with others, we need to take into account how we're impacting everyone around us. It's not just my body, my decision. Oh, no, no. Actually, everything you do impacts me because we live together. And so you should rally the troops. Get everyone in the family to sit down and say, we need family rules. We all live here. And if someone's not going to follow them, this might not be a safe space for them to be living in. And you have to say, we're going to set rules and expectations on each other. So we're all taken care of. I personally would not allow someone to live with me that was not following the rules. I personally don't want my home to not feel safe. I personally don't want to feel unsafe touching the couch and doorknobs and, and feeling that the air might not be safe. He also has a five-year-old. So to me, there's a lot of ethical problems there. Why does he not care about his five-year-old? We talked earlier in the show, there's been a 21% increase, 70,000 cases of COVID for children since August. So I would lovingly arm yourself with some data, letting them know you're putting your child at risk, who's five. Children are high risk. You are putting us all at risk. And if you can't follow the rules, this might not be the place for you to be living and get the family on board. It's hardlined, I know, but it's about people's safety. This is heartbreaking to me that this person doesn't care about how they're impacting others. It's not just about you. Stop being so individualist. It is about others. We should care about the impact we have on others. So rather the troops, get the whole family behind you. And this is one of those moments where we really have to get into a collective mindset. And I want every pod, every family, to sit down and set rules and expectations so that everyone can feel safe. Imagine not feeling comfortable sitting on the couch, touching surfaces, breathing in the air. I don't know how big your home is, but this person's going out constantly. That is so unacceptable. I think that's one of the reasons why I'm glad I'm self-isolating on my own is because I have complete control over my environment. And I can feel safe here, you know, and I can be very in control of what comes in and out. Not everyone has that um, privilege or opportunity. But if this individual is negatively impacting others, the boundary needs to be set or they need to be asked to leave. You know, but I would talk to your family members first. How are they dealing with that anxiety? You know, um, do they feel comfortable? Are they willing to be part of sitting down and discussing with this cousin how they impact others? You know, but I'm confused as a parent how this person isn't worried about their child, you know? So that may be where you got to do some education and um, print out some of the studies and talk to them about the numbers. It's quite bleak, you know, things haven't flattened down to a safe enough level. You know, vaccines are still a hypothetical and a question. Um, authorities are all still on the same page. Although we lost the CDC, Trump finally got to them and they're putting out ridiculous stuff at this point. So I do appreciate that's really hard now to know who to listen to, but let's just know that the CDC, the Trump administration has gotten a foothold there and their recommendations are getting a little wonky and wacky and just not sensical. So 
Oh, God bless it. Sliding the DMs is brought to you by our friends at Trojan Condoms because it's a big old sex world and we want you to explore with confidence. That's our show. Past episodes are podcasted at wearechannelq.com. So share them with your friends, tell your friends, and follow us on our IG page. Our IG page, which is always a source of liberation, care, and love, where we don't support racism or homophobia or transphobia or sexism. Why? Because we don't want to enact violence and oppression on marginalized and exploited people. So we're trying to create a full safe space over at the Loveline IG page. My IG page, at Dr. Donahue, always, always good stuff and some gems and a few selfies. As always, y'all, thanks for hanging out. Back tomorrow night. Uh, thanks for hanging out. Have a beautiful, beautiful night.